real estate, it's not a question of does real estate work? Does Airbnb work? It, it, that's not the, that's not the question. It works. It's do you work? You got to work, you know? So, so I think the, the, the big difference between, um, you know, the average people, you know, who are getting started and the people who are actually, you know, doing things is commitment. What's up, everybody? My name is Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Short-Term Rental Secrets Podcast. I am your host, Mike Shogren, here with my main man and brother from another mother, Mr. Emmanuel Pani. What is going on, E? My brother, this year, I can't find a lender, bro. I can't find a refinancing lender, but this is this has been... If any of the listeners know a good commercial lender... Yes, please. Hook my boy up with a refi. He's got 10 years of financials on this thing. Yeah, and it's not, they're not coming back, bro. And you know what it's insane to me? I don't get a callback. Even from lenders that I've never used. I'm like, hey guys, I need to refi this project here. Uh, Can you give me a call? These are kind of like... The numbers behind it. This is the location. Nothing. Track record. <laughs> yeah, dude, nothing. Like, I don't get a phone call back. So I'm starting to feel kind of like insecure. Like, I'm kind of like one of those, like, you know, like when you go out and you get no, like nobody to even look at you. I'm like, what's something with me? Like, do I have something in my teeth? Like, what's going on? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand what's happening, you know? Um, but I'm just like I go back and just pounding that phone until they pick up. Dude, I go back to that, right? Like my fundamentals of like being in real estate and real estate sales is, is like, I'll just keep hitting the phone. Like sooner or later, somebody's going to come through. Um, but I can, I can, I mean, imagine I've been doing this for 10 years now. I can just imagine somebody that is a newbie out there and is trying to get a lender right now to give them a call back. Um, if you're having a hard time, it's not, it's not you. They can't hear that you're not seasoned. They can't hear that you're not capable. They're just, I don't know what's going on, but I, I've been having such a hard time with that. But other than that, my life is a blessing, man, as always. I'm healthy, wealthy, you know. I live in South Florida in the wintertime, so now the weather's trying to get amazing. So, ah, I'm good. I'm good. over you know, things, you know. <laughs> excellent excellent well we just launched another unit this past week which is i think we have like two days left to fill for this month um and then it's starting to book up for november and december which is good owners are happy uh they're working on giving us another one once it turns over from their long-term renters we'll get Mm -hmm. in there and, and get that one up to speed too which ties in perfectly to who we have on the podcast today uh, that we are very excited to welcome someone that comes from the multifamily side doing some of the, you know, to mid to large size apartment syndications where you're basically partnering with other investors. You're going out, finding deals, buying them together so that you can afford to go out and, you know, increase your purchasing power and get bigger and bigger properties. Um, 
And then he decided to convert some of those long-term rentals into short-term rentals. And uh, very excited to have him on the show. So today we have Adrian Salazar, and he has currently converted six of those long-term rentals into short-term rentals. Uh, he's got some processes in place, so it's fairly automated, and things are going very well for him. And we are excited to have him on the show today to talk about that and learn more about his journey uh, in both the, the short-term and the long-term rentals. Because I do believe that having a uh, as you scale, having that larger blended portfolio is fantastic because again, as you have seasonality throughout your business, you can always rely on that consistent cash flow from the apartments so that you know that you have steady income coming in every single month from those as well. So without further ado, Adrian, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Emmanuel, for having me out on. Excited to uh, share some some of my experiences with your audience. I love short-term rentals. I love Airbnb. You know, I, that's all I stay in. You know, I don't book any hotels. I don't do that stuff anymore. And uh, I'm a huge fan of it. So I, I love your podcast. Excited to be on awesome, it. Awesome, man. Thanks, well, man. thank you for being here. So why don't you kind of walk us back through how you got into real estate in general? Like what, what got you into the, to the buy and hold strategy for real estate? Sure, sure. So I actually uh, started with a different strategy called wholesaling. So um, then again, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit more. I was a part of a direct uh, multi-level marketing company back in the day. I was 16, 17 years old and I uh, started really developing my mindset, right? Started getting introduced to, you know, people like Napoleon Hill, people like Jim Rohn, people like Tony Robbins, you know, all those, you know, key players in, in the growth of, of my, you know, personal lifestyle. Um, that I got introduced to at an early age. Long story short, um, the company kind of went out of business and I started looking around at other options. Um, and I heard that Robert Kiyosaki was going to be in San Antonio for an event. And it was like a free event. And I already knew who Robert Kiyosaki was from you know the, the Rich Dad, Poor Dad reading I've been doing and stuff. So I was already aware of who he was and I got super excited. I showed up. He wasn't there. It was not Robert Kiyosaki. It was one of his you know coaching uh, one of his minions. <laughs> and so, but I mean, I was there, right? And all they were talking about was real estate, real estate, real estate, wholesaling, pre-foreclosures are rising. You know, you could do deals without being licensed, like things like that. And I, I really, I mean, it clicked. And um, I got introduced to a couple of networking clubs in the San Antonio, Texas market. I showed up, uh, I was about 17 years old when I got started. Um, and met a mentor. I met a mentor in one of these clubs and worked for free for him for about a year and a half. Um, and, you know, I would do, you know, a bunch of follow-up phone calls, cold calling, door knocking. I mean, you know, put flyers on doors. I was out there looking for deals, looking for houses that needed work that needed, you know, to, to be, to be fixed up. And so we started wholesaling them, uh, you know, making five, 10, $15,000 per house. And so I really, uh, you know, I, I found exactly what I wanted to do and, and I had a passion for it early on. I, I found that I had a passion for, um, you know, construction, architecture, buildings, you know, seeing something go from nothing to something. Um, and I got, you know, all, all this was done throughout my time in college. I was uh, studying at the college of architecture at UTSA. Um, so it kind of went hand in hand. And um, I, I did that for about three years, uh, single family real estate. I graduated my construction degree um, and I kept doing, you know, single family stuff after, after I graduated, um, then we took on a couple of fix and flips, uh, instead of making five, 10,000, we started making 20, 30,000 kind of, you know, felt that was the gradual way of kind of, you know, scaling. 
Um, but then I realized like very quick, you know, that it, it's, it's all transactional based, wholesaling, flipping, it's all transactional based. You have no cash flow, you have no passive income, but you have, you have some cash, right? And, and so I kind of got tired of those dumps, those lump dumps and wanted something more passive, you know, to be able to help me achieve my why and, and travel and be with, you know, whoever I want to be at whatever time and, you know, be wherever, right? Anywhere in the world. Um, huge, huge passion is traveling. So I, so I, you know, looked into multifamily. I attended a weekend seminar. Um, and I mean, I really took off from there. I just took a different approach instead of marketing to single family homes. I started marketing to uh, smaller multifamily units and, um, I just changed the approach and, uh, started, you know, sending offers. Some of them got accepted. Some of them, some of them got denied and, you know, we started wholesaling apartments. So, um, so then I, I wholesaled about six or seven complexes, uh, made a significant amount of money, way more than I would have ever thought I would make in, you know, single family, uh, in a sh way shorter period of time. So, uh, I completely like sold my single family workspace of a bunch of leads. I, I really wanted to just cut it all off and just dive, you know, right in. Um, and haven't looked back since man, about in 2019, January, 2019, I bought my first 16 unit, um, syndicated it, raised about 200 K. And, um, then six months after that, we bought a 32 unit We syndicated it as well. We raised about 340 K. Um, and then that same year in December, I bought a nine unit, uh, owner finance. We, we also raised money for it. Um, and all these properties, I'm the general partner, me and my business partner, we run the deal, we control the deal, we renovate the deal. Um, we manage all construction aspects of it. Um, and, you know, as I started seeing um, that uh, people, you know, Airbnb, some apartments uh, in my local market, I was like, hey, let me let me throw this on Airbnb in a couple of units and, um, you know, furnished it fully, made it cool, gave it a theme. I have themes in all my Airbnbs and, and I decided to throw it on the platform and um, haven't really looked back since. I mean, they're, they're generating a lot of money. They're, you know, doing great. People love it. Great reviews. I'm a super host now, but, uh, they're actually in the apartments that we own. So it's pretty cool, pretty cool. Um, you know, strategy I got going on there, but, uh, wow, that's I kind of my that. journey. Yeah. So I mean, that was I, I a great touch journey. On something, yeah. I want to touch on something real quick and then I'll turn it over to E that for the listeners, as you guys go back and you listen to a lot of the podcasts, you will find a common theme completely unrelated to short-term rentals. The folks that are growing and scaling and doing big things, they all invest in personal development. You can hear it from Adrian. E and I are heavy into it. Until you change yourself, you will your income level will never outgrow your level of personal development. You have to work on your mind before you can scale and grow. Like there's no way around it. So kudos to you and thank you for sharing that because it's it's yeah. vital. I don't care what business you're in. Yeah. Yeah, it's vital for the business like, of I mean, life. I think also, you know, personal development, it's a little weird at first. Like, you, you know, it's it's weird. I mean, you don't really understand what, I mean, I picked up Think and Grow Rich when I was 17. I mean, I didn't understand anything that was in that book. Like I, I put it aside. I said, dude, this is nonsense. And I picked it up six months later as I was getting more developed and, you know, speaking in front of 40, 50 people. And it kind of made a little bit more sense now. And so, I mean, you got to really, you know, dive in and, and understand it and practice it. Um, because in the beginning, it's going to be a little tough to kind of, you know, understand all that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like the best way that I, I have to describe it is, is let's say after you've been eating with your right hand your whole life, 
then I come and tell you, I'm going to tie your right hand behind your back, only eat with your left. And you're like, shit, this yeah. is going to be uncomfortable for a minute, but you'll, you'll get to it. You just need a little bit of time, right? Um, it's funny that you brought that up, Mike, because I was going to say the same thing. Um, and that kind of leads into my very first question, because I think there is a lot of people that hear about seminars and they hear about it, Robert Kiyosaki, or they see all this kind of seminars happen. Um, and it sounds like you attended a lot of them. And a lot of people are like, that's a waste of time. They're just trying to sell you something, which I mean, it is true, right? Like they're, they're also a business. So like they can survive without selling you something. But what do you think you did? I mean, I think I know, but what do you think you did kind of different from the majority of people after you went to those events? Because there is one thing about going to events and then people don't, you know, don't make anything out of it. So what, what was the reason you, you kind of made a life for yourself after going to those events? Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, I committed, you know, I committed, I think that's a big thing that a lot of people are, you know, should I, I'm gonna try it. You know, I'm a, you know, I'm gonna try it. I, that, that mentality will not work. It'll work for three months, four months, but you have to commit, you have to commit a minimum. I mean, a year, two years. Like, I mean, thing is I was young. Not a lot of people start off as young as I did, but you know, I had time to fail. I have, I still have time to fail. You know, I have five more years until I'm 30, you know, to then, you know, I could pick up right where I left off, you know? So, but I, I think the big thing was commitment. Um, and, and I got obsessed. I got seriously obsessed with personal development that then that started really attract, like bringing in the people, the circumstances, the events required in order to help me get to where I wanted to go. And so I think, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a commitment thing. Real estate, it's not a question of does real estate work? Does Airbnb work? It, it, that's, not the, that's not the question. It works. It's do you work? You got to work, you know? So, so I think the, the, the big difference between, um, you know, the average people, you know, who are getting started and the people who are actually, you know, doing things is commitment. And I think that's what I, you know, allowed myself to, to you know, be committed to the success of, of my career in real estate. Dude, I like I had hope that that was the answer in a very kind of like different way, but it, it came out exactly how I hoped. I was just like, <laughs> this is exactly the point, right? Because yeah. I think also you you pointed something very important, right? You kind of got started at a very early age, which is very lucky, right? Like that doesn't happen to a lot of people. So you, in that sense, you were super fortunate. But at the same time, I think part of the huge work of programming personal development that I've done is also realizing that your, your personality is never permanent at whatever age, right? So as long as you have that commitment to making a difference in your life, you can start at any age, but you have to actually be obsessed with making, making a change. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think too, you know, to touch on that is I took massive action. Like, I mean, I, I have failed. I, I can, I can probably tell you this. I have failed more times than people have even tried. So it's not even an age thing. Like people getting started in real estate. I don't care if you're 40 years old, you got to take massive action. You got to fail fast. You got to fail forward and fail fast because then that's how you're going to learn it quick. And most people just try to do, you know, a couple calls and, 
you know, let me, let me try to find, you know, a couple deals. No, you gotta, you gotta take massive action. Um, and, and I think truly I have gotten way more no's than I have yeses, but that's, you know, that's just kind of the difference between, you know, what I did and what someone else is doing, you know? I love that. I heard a, an analogy the other day and it made total sense. It was like, if you look, look at like the, I'm not a huge baseball guy, but you know, if, if somebody's batting 300, that, that means that they're really good. Right. But what that actually means is they strike out every seven times to get three hits. Yep. So you just got to get out there and swing the bat. And I think that's huge. And I mean, you're 25 years old. How many units have you syndicated now? So I have 64 units now and I have an 88 unit that I'm closing on next month. So we'll be at like 130 units under management and, and we we're vertically integrated as well. So we own our own property management, our own construction company. So it's pretty cool. So what I want to talk about that um, because we haven't talked too much on the multifamily side, because I know I work with a lot of multifamily investors and there's actually a bunch of them now in our mastermind group that like you, they've syndicated larger deals and now they're scaling up and learning also how to do it with boutique hotels and things like that. But for somebody that's brand new, you know, kind of walk us through that process of, okay, you went out, you raised 200,000 to acquire this 16 unit apartment complex. What was that process? What was going through your head? How do you find those investors? And then I want to talk about how did you transition those to short-term rentals and what do the numbers look like from a long-term versus a short-term? And what's sure. the, what's the, the sweet spot in that balance portfolio for you now? Sure, sure. So uh, great question. So as far as the 16 unit, my first 16 unit, um, again, most of the people who invested with us, they were friends and family. They were not, you know, a person I met at a real estate club, you know, or someone that I cold messaged on Facebook. They were friends and family. And, um, you know, they are going to invest in you, not in the deal. They're investing in you. So, um, so that, that, also goes back into the years that I was in real estate before and building my personal reputation with people and making sure that you, you know, do good to people. You don't screw people over. You don't, you're not money driven because all that stuff is, is starting off in real estate. You don't want to be that person because then no one's going to want to do business with you. So you want to maintain a high level of reputation uh, early on. And I was able to do that. So um, you know, that went down to these friends and family, you know, wanting to invest the 200,000 with me. But uh, to tell you the truth, Mike, I mean, we, we hadn't bought an apartment complex before. So, I mean, we didn't, we weren't a hundred percent sure of exactly what we were doing, you know, but, you know, I had, again, I go back to commitment. I was committed to make this deal work no matter what, no matter what I, I just, I knew I needed to get started I knew I didn't know any way to buy a 200 unit apartment complex because everyone was telling me at the seminar that I was at is go bigger. I mean, it's easier to go buy a 180 unit than it is a 12 unit. I just didn't click in my head. Like I, I just, you know, so I, I, I figured, Hey, I'm just going to buy a 16 unit and figure it out, you know, and, and we hired, we went through our fair share of property management companies. We fired them. I was, you know, doing all the property management I was even painting units. I mean, I was doing whatever, man. I was doing whatever. And so we really didn't know what we we're doing. You will never know exactly what you're going to be doing. You know, just have faith and, and, and have a level of commitment that you'll do whatever it takes to make it succeed, you know? 
And so that's kind of the approach that I took on my first 16 unit. Um, and I mean, it's doing great now. It's, I mean, we're paying out like I think 10, 11% cash on cash now. I mean, it's doing great. So um, yeah, that, that's kind of my, my thing. I mean, <clears throat> I, I, I know myself, like I know myself very well and I know that, you know, I'll learn something if I need to. I'm very resourceful. I think that's a big thing for people to have in real estate, um, that skill of being resourceful because, you know, then you don't really need anything. You only need yourself, right? You're trusting yourself. So um, that's kind of the approach that I took. And as far as the, the Airbnb stuff, um, I, I remember staying in an Airbnb that was an apartment complex um, when I was up in Austin, Texas. And I really liked it, man. I liked the theme they had. And, and you know, I, I kept wondering, like, what if I do this at mine? You know, what if, what if I just, you know, buy some furniture on OfferUp, you know, at discounts, you know, and, and uh, sleeper sofas, those are huge. So I found some sleeper sofas and I furnished the unit. And I mean, within three days, people started booking it. And I was like, wow. So the rents in, in my, in my apartment complex are like 700 bucks, 650, 700 bucks for a one, one, and they're generating like $1,400. I mean, it, it's, it's a, it's double seriously. And they're great tenants. They're screened. They don't bother me. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's great. It's a great business. And, and I think, um, you know, apartment complexes are valued based upon the income that they produce. Right. So, um, you know, if we're able to increase the income, then, I mean, they're worth more. Right. So then I, I, I saw that and I just took off with it, but I really like it. I like it. I like the Airbnb platform and, and that's kind of what I, what I'm doing now. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I also love it because I mean, it, in a sense, it kind of reminds me of like, my journey as to how I got started. Because I used to do the same thing, right? I was a maintenance guy. I did the painting. I did the plunging. I did, I did everything, right? So if we have a listener that is very similar to you, right? He's an apartment syndication guy. Or he owns a bunch of different multifamilies. And here's this. is like, okay, maybe I should do that. Um, what does your back of the house kind of look like, right? Because the main advantage to apartment syndication is that once you put the team in place, it kind of becomes very hands-off, um, which, but I know your business, Airbnb is also hands-off. So what does that business kind of um, look like on the back? Okay. End? So, I mean, I, for, for those who, you know, let's say, you know, you have an apartment complex and you want to try this out, right? Um, I think it's, it's, you got to get the team in, in place first. You got to see who's going to be the, the, the most important people, uh, you know, in my experience are your cleaning lady and your maintenance guy. And, you know, I, I have a personal assistant who is constantly communicating with the Airbnb people, right? So um, those are the three, I mean, I think key people in the success of your Airbnb. Um, and then you also have to say, like, is it going to be a theme? You know, I have a travel theme one. We have a Star Wars theme one. I mean, we have different themes that we feel allow us to stand out from the crowd uh, and allow us to, you know, get uh, allow our calendar to be booked right so um you know you want to have those little toiletry accessories you know the little hand soaps you want to make sure they have several towels you know i put like four or five towels in my airbnbs i have like three blankets in there a bunch of pillows so you want to make sure like you, you give them the experience um that you would want that you personally would want so you want to get all that down um, and then you start buying your furniture. You know, I bought all my furniture on OfferUp, on Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace. I wasn't going to be paying Ikea furniture. I wasn't going to be paying, you know, $2,000 for a couch. 
So, um, you know, I, I just made sure I bought good furniture, comfortable bed. Um, and, and then I, you know, furnished it and I put it on the platform, wrote a nice description. Um, I don't have a personal Airbnb account, like my actual name. It's a, it's a company it's called homely escape. So we, we, we put a cool little name to it and that's the Airbnb profile. And there you go. Start building your reviews. You start building your reviews. And what we would do is we would call them the minute they would leave and, and ask them how they like their stay, you know, very, very personal and ask them if they could leave a review for us in the very beginning, because we want to make sure we maintain those high reviews early on um, to, to allow us to stay booked. But I think really, I mean, just again, committing, committing to, to whatever that Airbnb, you know, whatever your plan is, just commit to it. And I mean, you'll be all right. And if you need, if you have any new questions on like, you know, statistics, there's air DNA, you can see, you know, what, the you know, market does there in that area. But again, it, it comes down to commitment. I love that. I, right before this podcast, I was actually talking to somebody that was applying for the mastermind. And I said exactly that. I said, I give you all the tools to, to do this. The thing that you have to do is just commit. Yeah. Like, but there's, there's this distinction that I, I finally understood that like most people think they make decisions, but they don't. It's like, oh, I knew for five years that I wanted to get out of my job to do real estate full time. But it took three and a half for me to get to the point where I actually made the decision that I will do this or die trying. I will make it happen no matter what. And when you just flip that switch, call it the commitment switch now, like when you just commit, it changes everything because you just to your point, you get resourceful and you find a way. Sure. Like they say that the difference between a, a decision and a wish is when you make a decision, you find a way. When you may have a wish, you find an excuse, right? It's just like that that small little distinction, guys, is huge. It's literally everything. So whatever yeah, your goals are. You, you, you don't even need to, you don't even, it's, it, it can happen in a split second. Like a decision is made. It doesn't take three years to make a decision. It, it doesn't. It takes a split second. Like seriously, your life can change in a, in a, in a click of a button. Like seriously, it's, it's just going to come down to you truly like telling yourself that, you know? And, and I mean, I think that's, it's huge, man. You made a great point. Great point. for sure. So what's, what's kind of next for you? I want to talk about that. The thought process of having that blended portfolio, right? So you got six units. Are they all in one of the complexes or are they kind of spread out? They're spread out. Okay. So for you, what, what are you kind of finding is like that sweet spot unit mix? Is it like your one ones tend to do better? Like as an example, I know in, in one of my markets, when I was testing things out, I know when I went from a one, one to a two, one, it was like a $10,000 jump on Airbnb. So I was like, okay, cool. Now I know if I get a, a one bed, maybe I can convert like this other office space to a quote unquote second bedroom to maximize that. So what's kind of been your sweet spot for you guys as far as like unit mix sure. in an apartment uh, community? Yeah, I think early on for me, it was a matter of, all right, how much do I have to spend to furnish it? So, yep. you know, that's where you have, you know, th I'm buying a uh, three bedroom, two bath, uh, 1400 square foot home in a great part of San Antonio, Texas. And I'm planning on, you know, renovating it and throwing it on Airbnb. Um, but I mean, that's easily going to cost probably, you know, 15K, you know, 12K probably to furnish that thing. And I mean, when I started, I didn't have that to just, 
you know, buy a bunch of furniture and hope that this worked. So, um, you know, I think one ones are great for me right now. Um, they're, you know, small spaces, they're completely renovated, which is awesome because I mean, we're renovating my apartment complex. So I'm Airbnb being a renovated unit and I get to choose what kind of fixtures I want to put in there. So it's, it's pretty cool. But the one, one is, I think, you know, the, the thing that's working best for me right now. Um, and I, I try to, you know, have an air mattress. I have that sleeper sofa. So that way I can try to sleep, you know, a good amount if necessary, if they have like a little family, but I mean, I think two ones are also great, you know, to touch on that. I think, um, you know, it'd be great to have like the other, you know, room be an office because there's a lot of, you know, people traveling on Airbnb who work from home or work, you know, virtually. So I think providing that amenity for them is also key. But I think for me, it's, what's working best is one ones because I can furnish it with like $2,500, $3,000. And that's really all I need. So, but I do plan on scaling up to like you guys' level soon and, and you know, go, going up, you know, to different size units and stuff. But uh, for now, I think just to answer your question, I think the one ones work best for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that makes a lot of sense, right? Especially if you're, if you're in a similar situation to Adrian um, and you're doing apartment syndication and you kind of like, you have to respond to your partners and you're going to do because the model that you do is also you're subleasing the unit. So as far as your partners are concerned, you're not taking any gambles with their profits. You're giving them, we're going to rent it and then I'll make anything extra. But at least that way you do it less. Um, just out of curiosity, do you put them on the ground floor? Do you put them on the second floor? Like where do you? First floor. Yeah, right. Smart. Yeah. Because just in case I was like, dude, just in case you never know, you put them First downstairs. Floor. Yeah. Smart. Um, so what did you, is there something that you think was going to take you a lot of time to do as Airbnb that you're like, I'm going to try doing this. And instead has been just an easy experience. Like one of your like typical. Uh, I think, you know, um, all the blankets and stuff, like putting several blankets in there. I really didn't think that was going to be that big a deal. Cause I, I had read it on, I think on another podcast or like, you know, an article online is to include a lot of towels and blankets. And I was always like, oh, I mean, you know, they don't need it. You know, they don't need that many. And I, and I put them and you'll be surprised. I got a bunch of reviews saying like, it, wow, thank you for so much for all the blankets. Like that, it was great. I mean, I, you know, I could, I, I was cozy. So, I mean, something that I thought, I guess would, wouldn't make that big of a difference made a huge difference. Um, and the theme, the theming part is also, I mean, a, a big point in our business that has helped us. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't really have any issues with any of the residents. I mean, it's, it's very simple. I think everybody at an Airbnb respects the space. You know, they, they, they understand that it's someone else's and they understand that it takes, you know, a lot of time to get it set up. So, I mean, they respect the space. They don't really, you know, message me about anything, but um, you know, the size of the TV too, I think we're putting like 65 inch TVs in there, smart TVs, you know, fast Wi-Fi. you know, I don't ever want any issues with Wi-Fi connections. Um, I mount the TV too, that way we can have, you know, a lot of space. Um, I do like Roku, I set them up with Netflix accounts. I mean, all that stuff is there at, to use at their service, you know, so. I love that. Um, I always recommend the Roku TVs and people ask me why. And I always say, cause there's like four buttons on it. Yep. It's so, it's, as I like to say, it's stupid proof. 
right? So like if you have a guest that goes in there that has a, a TV remote with 75 buttons and you got to switch inputs to get to the cable, like it, it's just asking for more questions. If you can get a remote that has four buttons, it's like press the on button and then press the Hulu button. Like yeah. You cannot mess that up, right? Yeah. It's just thinking through those little things. And to your point about those little details matter, like the extra towels, spending an extra five bucks and getting like the nice fluffier towels that are softer as opposed to the super cheap ones. Just those little details your guests will appreciate. Mm. And I, I, I think a, a huge mindset shift for a lot of multifamily guys and ladies out there is typically when you're investing in multifamily, whether it's, you know, call it the, the B to C class properties, you're always trying to get in there, renovate on a budget and keep things tight. And you don't want to overspend. When you switch to the short-term rentals, you have to be open to the idea of putting in those extra touches and spending the extra money to make that experience because otherwise you will get left in the dust by the, by the folks that do. And at the end, okay, say you spend an extra $2,000 on stuff. You're going to make that back in a month. So like, just do it right the first time, get your good reviews and just the investment pays a hundred times the dividend, like the investment, you know what I mean? So it's just like, it's just a mindset switch from budget conscious, like super frugal to, all right, I'm going to splurge a little bit here and I'm going to provide this like really good experience. You know, even something as simple as leaving out like a little gift of like some chocolates or some wine or like those little things make such a difference and you get repeat guests and you build your book of business. No, you're, you're a hundred percent right about that. I think uh, one thing we're implementing right now, uh, Mike is the like kind of like a binder, like a welcome binder, um, you know, house rules, you know, what's around, you know, where the parking is. I mean, just a, a binder that, you know, people can kind of look through because I don't know, I, I've stayed in a lot of Airbnbs. I love that stuff. Like I don't have to look on Yelp. I don't have to Google anything. All these people know exactly what's around. I mean, they, they, they own the unit. Right. So I think providing them a little binder with, you know, all that stuff is, is super key. I think another thing too um, is like those little Febreze air fresheners, you know, the, the little, the ones with the, you know, oil and stuff. I mean, we plug them in everywhere. They smell amazing. I mean, I know they're a little expensive to, you know, go on your point of overspend a little bit, but I mean, it goes a long way. People love it. And, you know, Airbnb is boutique. Like, people like the little touches. They like the little, you know, designing. I mean, they like all that stuff. So, I mean, you do yeah. that, you'll be all right. You'll, you'll definitely beat probably what 60% of people on Airbnb. If you actually like, you know, invest in, in those details, it's important. I love that you said the thing about the smell because the next guest that we have over um, is going to talk about something very similar. Uh, so if you are looking at live, um, just kind of come back at 2.30 because we're going to talk about the psychology of smells when it comes to hospitality, right? So how to make people feel homey and everything else. Um, dude, it's been it's been so good because like through your own path, you've brought to the podcast everything that Mike and I have talked about for the past 24, <laughs> 24 <laughs> podcasts. Um, and it's also amazing to me that like you have realized that that just the investment in the quality of going above and beyond, because um, to me, that's always been the biggest hurdle when re-educating investors is it's you have to understand, because also another big thing that I have, it's 
well, can we just fix it? And if it breaks again, we can change it. And I tell them all the time, if we already know there is a chance that this is going to break, why are we taking that chance, right? Because then this guy might have been cool about it, but the next guy will not be. And then you're going to get yourself a review for something that you knew was going to happen, which is very different, right? Because multifamily investors are like, dude, just put some duct tape on it. Let's repaint it. We can wait until the next time. Airbnb is, is not like that, but it makes such a difference because once you calculate it, yeah, it's worth yeah. the investment. And, and I mean, you want, I mean, the people who are wanting to, you know, be successful in Airbnb and make you know, a ton of money is, I mean, they, they, I mean, the whole idea is to have it hands off, right. To, to be, to be, for it to be automated, right. You're not trying to be in there like fixing things and no, like just fix it because this is a hands-off business. If you're really trying to scale, you know, I mean, some people are probably just wanting one or two units, but I'm trying to scale, you know, and, and I don't want to be worrying about a little fix, you know, to, to follow up on your point, you know, in the middle of you know a beach trip somewhere, you know, I, I want to make sure I buy whatever is needed and that's it. Move on, you know? Booyah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just checking the Facebook group. So for you guys that are listening to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google podcasts, wherever you're listening to this, make sure you join the short-term rental secrets, Facebook group, because we stream these episodes live and we give the members a chance to ask our guests questions every single week. Um, and I've been cutting off the podcast for the, the iTunes portion to not have those questions in there, but I'm going to stop doing that. Cause I think it's more fun to just ask some questions. So one of the questions that uh, I had from somebody earlier uh, that we kind of already talked about was they have a bunch of different apartments and they're trying to figure out which floors uh, they're basically doing a, a new a new build. They're finding this, this project, they're going to build it to suit and it's going to be a blend of short and long-term. And they were asking, you mentioned that you put them all on the, on the first floor, which I completely agree with, but I want to talk about why do you put them on the first floor? Sure. Because I think that you're tending to everybody, you know, you know, elderly, handicapped, you know, um, people who are staying there. I have people staying long-term, right. And they're buying groceries, you know, so you don't want them climbing up four sets of stairs and, you know, it'd be an elderly person, a bunch of kids, someone risks a fall. So, I mean, I think, you know, if you have the opportunity to choose between any other floor and you have a, one available on the first floor, do the first floor. Like, I mean, it, because people always ask us too, is this on the first floor? Is this on the second floor? I mean, I don't know how many times I've gotten that asked. And I mean, it's very cool to say, yeah, first floor. And they're like, oh, great. So, I mean, you're, you're just beating, you're beating the, the answers. I mean, you're beating any of the questions that you get already. If you just do the first floor, if you, if you can, but then again, don't let that be an excuse. Like, don't let that be an excuse. If all you have is second floor, do second floor. You know, I mean, it's just. So this person's question and he's, he's following up now because i was having this okay. debate with him earlier he was like do you have any issues with noise from upstairs so that it's I mean, disturbing the guests and i said on the other hand i'd rather have i would think that some of the guests could be noisier from the short-term rentals in the long term which is why we have the noise aware and the different technology in there um so i want to it's finding that balance of keeping them both happy. But from your point of view, have you had guests complain about noise issues from the second floor to down to the first floor? Uh, I mean, maybe one or two out of like 150, you know, but I mean, 
you're going to have something. I mean, you're going to have to just manage, right? I mean, this is a business. It's not perfect. You know, there's going to be people who you could have everything perfect. Seriously, like there could be no noise and they are mad because they don't have your coffee flavor. You know, every once in a while you get a Karen in there. <laughs> it's part of the business, man. I mean, it's just, I mean, we're not in business to just, you know, sit on the beach and not get anything. Right. I mean, I think, you know, there's a process of, of doing that. And I think, you know, you just have to have to kind of be aware of those issues that are going to come up, you know, but tend to them quick though, respond quick. I think responding quick is, is key. You know, even if there's an issue, just having someone respond very fast. hundred percent. We've saved that. so many five-star reviews when we've had big issues where they'll leave a, the comment like, yeah, we had this issue, but the host responded in minutes and took care of it. Like those, those things matter because again, people just want to feel like you actually care that it's not just like a cash grab. Mm -hmm. And those reviews actually count more, right? Like, especially to me, every time I look at a review, when I go travel as well, because I only travel Airbnbs too, when I go look at it, I'm like, awesome. Um, and stink on the feet and going back to the question from the group, also being in property management and having done this in a similar kind of kind of thing, it's if you have a long-term tenant on the second floor that causes issues, you have other avenues to go against them with, right? So you have your lease, you have your terms and conditions on your lease, and you have other avenues for you to go after it. Whereas if you keep having problems from Airbnb units to your ground floor tenants, that could be worse. Because yeah. then the ground floor tenants can say that it's not a peaceful place for them to live in and try to find a reason to break to break their lease. Yeah. So I would probably go upstairs. And the elders thing that you said, it's so huge for markets like mine, yours, Texas, Arizona, because half of the year we get people traveling that are elders. So if yeah. you don't consider that and you're just going to do a second or third story condo with no elevator, you're going to lose out on a huge chunk of travelers um, that you may not be really considering when you're looking at numbers and furnitures and everything else. Yeah. And I think that's where it's like, you know, if, if you have a cool theme, you know, or if you have like a cool, like cool pictures, it'll, it'll make up for that stuff. You know, it'll, people will yeah. want, people won't mind traveling two sets of stairs. If you have, you know, a star Wars theme and they've been a star Wars fan all their life, you know? Um, so, I mean, that, that's where you gotta, you gotta offset your pros and your cons. And you, I mean, you gotta figure out how you can beat the, beat the system, you know? And one thing I, to touch on the noise thing, I, I, uh, I stayed in Airbnb recently and they had a huge Bluetooth surround sound system. I mean, I was like, you're waiting for problems. Like go buy a $10 speaker at Walmart and that's it. Like, don't don't try to buy a surround sound system because you're gonna you're gonna get all those calls. So just buy a small yes. little speaker and you should be all right. I love it. Well, before we wrap up with the final question, I want to acknowledge you and say thank you for for coming on and acknowledge all your accomplishments. I mean, it. Yeah. At 25, man, like this is amazing, and I definitely want to have you back within the next year to kind of see your progress and watch you scale and, and implement all these things. Um, it's just really, really cool to see. So where, where can the listeners learn more about you and your, and your business, both the multifamily and the short-term rental stuff, where can they connect with you? Sure. I'm more active on Instagram. So, um, you know, anybody who wants to see kind of my journey, I mean, I put I mean, my journey's there. I mean, I I'm very raw. I will only tell you 
something that I've done. I mean, I will never tell you something to, to do something that I've never done before. So, I mean, everything that I'm sharing with you on this podcast and in general, on my social medias I've done, you know, so uh, Instagram is a big place where I can post my stories. I can, you know, post pictures and stuff. So pe- people can find me on Instagram, Adrian Salazar. Um, I think there's like two N's, Adrian and Salazar, and then an underscore. You'll find me, um, you know, I'll, I'll share with you kind of my info if anybody wants to reach out. Facebook yeah. as well. And if you just put his name on it, Adrian Salazar, you'll see him. He's the very, he's the very first one there. I or just we'll wanted to follow him us. because... Here, you're so cool that I already went to follow you. I'm like, shit, I'm definitely <laughs> following this guy. So, um, but yeah, man, it's been a pleasure. And then Mike has the last question for you. Cool. So the question we like to ask all of our guests is what is your number one secret to success with short-term rentals? Uh, creativity, creativity and uniqueness. I mean, being unique, I think, because you, I mean, the thing is, Go, go on Airbnb and scroll, like go, go to the market and scroll and see what's going to catch your eye, you know, be unique. I think that's mm. with the title, with the title, with the pictures, you know, description. I mean, be, be cool. You know, don't be just the cash guy who's just wanting this, to do this for cash. Like be unique. I love that. I love that. I don't think anybody said be creative, but it's so true. No. And uh, yeah. I love that. So this is the first thank time. you again, Adrian, for being here, man. This was a blast. Definitely going to follow you. I want to stay in, stay in touch. This was really, really cool. And uh, looking forward to having you back. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Emmanuel. Appreciate Thanks, you brother. guys. You guys Pleasure. keep crushing it. All right. All Bye, right. Bro. Take care. <laughs> hey, STR Nation. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes And we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.